Welcome to Off Trail with Erie Metro Parks, and today we're going to be talking about citizen science and you. So, I'm your host, Mike Hensley, and as always, we have Cheryl and Melissa with us. Hi! Handmade air horn. Who needs a soundboard? So, I'm pretty sure I could make all the sounds. Yes. Uh, except for the intro. I can't do the intro. Womp, 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 womp. That's anyway, a good one. That was a good one. Today we're going to be talking about citizen science and you. So how people in the community can get involved with pretty much anything that they find interesting or fascinating. Because truthfully, in doing a little bit of research for this podcast, there's unlimited amount of citizen science projects you can participate in. Yeah. Like it so is so many crazy. So we're kind of going to go over what citizen science projects are, some of the ones that we do here at the park, and some other ones that are available examples that people could do. Um, because, like I said, it is unbelievable how many there truly are. Um, so in your mind, Cheryl, what do you think citizen science is? It's the community that can get involved doing science stuff. Like doing helping I'm, scientists research. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Do you agree, Melissa? Yeah, for sure. It's just everyday people contributing to scientific research. So that's exactly what it is. Um, I mean, you could use fancier terms like "oh, data and analysis" and blah blah blah, but we're not going to do that because it's not it's citizen science. It's citizen yeah. science. It's <laughs> and and some of these projects are not meant to be higher level science, because if you're doing that, then that obviously does require um, some type of, you know, more advanced knowledge than just, you know, uh, watching your bird feeders, watching um, nests and things like that. Some of those things don't require as much effort as if you're gene testing something to figure out or gene testing a species to figure out its closest relation. Obviously, mm -hmm. that takes a little bit more, and that's going to be like some university type research or large organization type research. Um, so it's public participated. Um, I do this all the time. I'm constantly involved in some type of citizen science project pretty much all year. All year. <laughs> like, yeah, you are. It's, I mean, I enjoy it, um, one, and it's, it's helping me to educate myself. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons that I do it. Um, and that's a big con to, I'm sorry, not con, it's a big pro to it is, is just continuing your education, whether it's monarch watch, feeder watch, mm -hmm. insect watch, what, whatever you mm -hmm. want to do. It's just, it's, just, there's vast capabilities and things that you can go for. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the other cool things is that it's usually almost, I think, I think the percent is like 98% of the people are unpaid. I was like, there are people that get paid for this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, sign me right. up. Yeah. <laughs> How do we do that? So, um, but, and in some cases people even have to pay to do it, which I didn't realize was a big thing. And then I thought in my brain, I was like, well, we do for Nest Watch. So you do. So some of them are paid requirements. And I think the reason for that is, is some of them require like some background education and you have to do a couple classes and things about so it's really important um it kind of reminds me of being in college you know how like your your sometimes your professors are doing like a giant research project yeah and you're learning at the same time but you're also like not like a scientist yet you're still getting your degree 
mm-hmm. they're like, you're doing all the grunt work. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I remember very vividly in college, we would do, um, we were doing like kind of side, we weren't like on the proposal or anything, but one of our professors was doing a study on northern water snakes and queen snakes and how their um, habitats were overlapping. So my job in that class was to go and test the water every morning in the spring. So all I had to do was test temperature, and because we were in a mining area, I had to test how acidic or basic the water was because that would determine um, how much food was potentially available in certain areas, and then also um, if the snakes would even be around. If the water was too acidic, they wouldn't. But I was just, like, blown away at, like, this is that was my one job, and that's like it contributed to like thirty percent of my grade in that class wow. <laughs> was just testing the water. So, and it wasn't like I had to go in and like put a pH strip in. There was like a little meter that I just basically hit a button, Perfect. and it recorded <laughs> it, and then I just wrote it down. So <laughs> a plus, yeah. So <laughs> it worked for me, but like it's simple things. It's not overly complicated. I imagine there's a few cit- a citizen science projects out there that are extremely complicated. Um, what would be some of your guys's favorite citizen science project melissa i already know one of yours so <laughs> you can go ahead and go first <laughs> uh obviously monarch watch yes is my favorite <laughs> i love tagging butterflies i like contributing and actually the best part about it is learning what they're learning so i love that every year they send out a newsletter and like this is what was tagged last year and this is how many monarchs were recovered and all of that fun stuff it's just nice to to know that you were part of something, even if your tags never get recovered, and yeah. to be able to learn something too. That's my goal before I leave here is to get you just one. Just, just one. Just one. Because you'll frame it and put it right up there on your wall. Oh, yes. <laughs> you need that certificate. Just one. When oh, is it already passed? Did they already find did you already find out if we haven't got one yet from this year? I don't know when they send them because I've never gotten one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and then when we went over to Kelly's, Jackie had like what, like five or six? What? Yeah, she's like, oh yeah, I got like four or five last year. Like, yeah, like in the same year. Oh, I'm. What's gonna... so different about your butterflies than my butterflies? Right. I'm surprised we haven't gotten like one of hers like already tagged before. Yeah, that would true. be cool. That would be cool. But yeah, so other people are just like rolling in the the certificates, and I mean Melissa's really not asking for a lot. What is this? How many years has it been? Well, at the park, six. No, I mean, overall. Well, I worked at Back to the Wild, and we had gotten, I think, one while I worked there, but there had been a bunch right before I started, and I'm just so jealous. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, is there any other projects that you think are good and you like? I like Project Feeder Watch, even though I don't do it anymore. You guys do. Yeah. So. That's a fun one, too, especially. I think that one's fun because I feel like anybody can do it. Like, anybody can set up feeders outside their window, even if, like, you know, you're in a wheelchair or whatever. And there's no, like, real-time commitment. You can watch your feeders for five minutes or two hours. Right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I like that the requirements are so chill for those. Yeah. Makes it easy to do, especially if you got a time crunch week and, you know, you can't dedicate as much time to it. That's the, probably the only reason I saw that black and white warbler that one year is because I had more time to sit there and look at the feeders for like an hour. <laughs> so, but yeah. It's great. What about you, Cheryl? Uh, Feeder Watch was, is one of mine. Mm-hmm. And then 
the ODNR, uh, Division of Wildlife, they do bat counts every year. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I did one with uh, with Tara last year, our natural resources manager. And this one, you, we have a house off of Smoky, and there's a bat colony that roosts in it, and it's a maternity colony. So you you set up a, a lawn chair, and you sit... <laughs> And you count bats that are exiting uh, from from the house or tree or whatever, and then then you count again in June, and you compare those two numbers to see if they reproduced or not. So the June count would be how many pups they've had for the year. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. To was do. there a lot this year? We had a hundred bats. Yeah. Like increase? I think May, May we counted 78, and then June we counted about 100. That's almost so, yeah. 25%. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's not, I didn't even know that. Look, Mike learned something <laughs> new today. <laughs> We're going to count again this year, too. I know. So, because um, this is, this would be year three, right? Tara did it mm-hmm. the summer before. Yeah. We're never going to be able to get rid of those bats out of there. That's like data for a stretch. You can't do that. Right. Especially if they're, oh, if the bats become endangered, then it becomes even more complicated. Mm-hmm. Can we but change that from the Smoky Roadhouse to the Bat House? I, yes. <laughs> I, come up with, I come up with alternate names for everything. But it's really cool because, yes. <laughs> well, it, you have to count, obviously, at night because that's when they mm-hmm. exit uh, their roost. So we're just sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. And then when the first one, it just exits and they swoop down first. They kind of fall first and then they fly. And we were sitting pretty close and they were just flying over our heads. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> so those bats were the reason that I had to switch where I did moths at Edison Woods. Oh. So I originally <laughs> did it at the Smoky House and I couldn't realize why. I mean, I'm like, I'm right next to the, like, I'm pinned in the woods here. It's an open space. This is like perfect. I'm pinched between the woods. This should be, this should be ideal for me. Yeah. And then it dawned on me that night you guys went out with me right as I got towards the end. And I'm like, you dingus, there's a bat colony here. And every time a big bat, cause I mean, Edison Woods is where I expect to get like our silk moths and the big ones. Yeah. I was like, every time <laughs> that I, a big one probably flies out into that thing, it's bats probably just swooping it right up and not even playing around. And if there's a hundred of them out there, no wonder. So right. I had to move <laughs> over to the, the 61 entrance where the, that horse parking <laughs> lot is where it's open. So yeah. So lesson learned there. So, um, obviously my two favorite, um, number one is Christmas bird count. Yeah. Um, one, because if you're not for now, when I say this, you're not forced to go outside, but it forces me to go out in the in the cold and um, kind of wander around and I make a whole day of it. Um, in the last two years, actually, I haven't been too cold or too bad. So it's been all right. I love Christmas bird count. It's Are probably you sure? Of, I feel like this year it was like freezing rain. Yeah, it, it did rain a little bit. Um, it wasn't terrible. Um, I took like a break in the middle of the day, which I usually don't do. Um, I got hungry. So I went home <laughs> and ate, but so yeah, Christmas bird count is amazing. It's a 15 mile radius circle and you count as many birds as you can within that 15 mile radius. And obviously the Firelands Audubon has like this major group of people that help 
Um, so I got these four or five little sections of places that I could look um, for birds and did pretty well. So it was good. Uh, my other one, I have, well, I don't just have, I wish I could say I just have two, but they probably all equal out. Um, it's, is a international moth week and I'm constantly recording all the moths that I find, um, which we have mentioned on other podcasts and things like that too. But there's like a whole week of when that data is like compiled. And that's when I'm recording and putting in every single one, not just the species I find. So, um, that is like a running tally. And this year I'm excited. I mentioned this before, but it's the wetland moth year. So they're going to be focusing on moths and wetlands and prairies and Perfect. things like that. So, which is pretty much where I do all what my you do. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I did get a good variety when Cheryl and I went to Huffman. Um, I started to get a few that I, that I hadn't seen anywhere else mm -hmm. um, in the county, which is nice. Not that the Edison Woods doesn't have them, but Every time I go out there for moths, I either get rained out or batted out. So yeah. <laughs> so this year, hopefully, will be different. But yeah, um, like I said, tons of different projects. Um, one that I'm always doing is iNaturalist. That's a giant citizen science project. Yeah. It is a giant citizen science project. Um, we had mentioned Great Backyard Bird Count. There's tons of stream monitoring. There's local and like nationwide ones. There are litter ones. There are mammals. There, I mean... If you have there's an interest, insect there's, ones, there's flower bees, ones, there's frogs. Some of them are done oh, yeah. individually by states. And that's like, like Cheryl was mentioning for Ohio state the, for the bats. That's mm -hmm. the one that they do. And, and sometimes they're nationwide. Sometimes they're, um, uh, statewide dragonflies and damselflies are a state one. Bees are a state one. They're really trying to use people, um, that are out in these communities and see bumblebees or dragonflies regularly to, to gather this data and help them. I know sometimes people think that it's not, oh, I'm not really helping, but you truly are because scientists can't be everywhere all the time, especially when Ohio State's running a giant one. They need a consensus of the entire state so they can give people an accurate number of, okay, this is a, a species in decline or a species that is doing really well. Yeah. And when we give these numbers and we're showing them this, it's it's beneficial. Now, like Melissa had mentioned, Monarch Watch, that's one of those ones that has to be like a nationwide right. deal because... Three countrywide. Countrywide, yeah. yeah, because they're they're traveling across three separate countries um, to get to from one, from their breeding areas all the way down into where they overwinter. So it's it's kind of a joint effort. So it's, it's pretty interesting and amazing. Yeah. Um, so I kind Well, of, and the good thing with citizen science, it doesn't necessarily have to be like like an actual project, like the Division of Wildlife, they put out all the time, uh, can you report if you see a turkey? Can you mm -hmm. report if you see a barn owl? Just doing that is is huge for, you know, giant divisions like them. Well, and it, it also helps with, um, I mean, even when with invasive species, it helps to monitor where they are, where they're found, and it with, with control. Um, so if there's a large amount of deer, for example, um, they need to call those deer because mm -hmm. they're going to eat too much of the understory and cause other ecological problems. Then they'll go in and remove some of those deer. So it's it's not just helping the it's helping everyone as a whole. It's it's kind of helping the entire habitat and making sure that it continues to be usable for people like us and mm -hmm. people across the state. So um, one that I had forgotten about, and I remembered we talked about it when we used to do 
I evolve was the globe. Yeah. That's a major one. That's well, a yeah. huge one. Um, cities at night. I didn't even know this was a thing. We need to talk to Sandusky about this one. Um, it's basically a light pollution deal. Like they basically. Yeah. I volunteered for uh, when I lived down in Columbus. They did an initiative. So I would go and survey the city, the city pretty much. I would like cover a few blocks and look for dead birds pretty much that collided in the windows. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there are tons of projects and I imagine if we shut off some lights, it would help a little bit around here. Yeah. Um, well, that's how, um, oh, what's it called? Is it lights out or lights off Cleveland? Yeah. That was part of how that got started is they did a lot of research and were finding so many birds dead, especially at night during the migration. So they, they were able to convince lots of businesses in Cleveland to turn off their, their giant towers. Yeah. (laughs) And the one that I volunteer for was lights out Columbus. So So it was probably like in conjunction Mm -hmm. with them. Mm -hmm. Nice. Like with the nature conservancy. Cool. So, yeah. And if we're, if it's about saving birds, we're all about it. Oh yeah. Definitely. Um, so there are pros and cons to everything. Um, it gives people real world science experience. So if, even if you're younger, there's a lot of, um, especially when it comes to stream monitoring and that globe thing was uh, definitely a thing that was geared more towards younger kids kind of coming up school aged mm-hmm. and could be very helpful towards them. And then um, it helps people kind of stay connected to their community and their land, which I thought was probably the most important thing because if you're doing participating in a litter cleanup is a, is a type of citizen science because you're, because you're cleaning up, you know, your streams, your lakes, your um, wetland areas, you know, so people can continue to use them. Animals can continue to inhabit them and be a part of it. And so it, it keeps people involved in what's going on. Well, there's on. that one, what was it called? Marine debris or something like that, that yeah. Old Woman Creek does. Mm-hmm. So they go out and they they find different types of plastic. And so that's where a lot of the research is coming from of, what plastic is actually showing up in our waters and which ones are the most, most harmless and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then remember we, that's where I found out that the most frequent piece of plastic found is cigar tips. Yeah. Yeah. Like blew my mind. Yeah. Like had no idea. And then like the whole concept of microplastics just can give you anxiety. For sure. Mm -hmm. Because I just want to take a giant net and scoop up all the sand and like sift it through. I mean, I mean, some plastic will probably still get through, but yeah. And I didn't realize how how small microplastic had to be. Like it's like no bigger than your thumbnail, mm-hmm. like half of that maybe. Well, I have a big so thumbnail, small. so probably one of your baby thumbnails, but <laughs> like super tiny. So you might look over. I mean, probably walking on mostly plastic, but uh, anyway. Um, it's not, like I said, it's not always in depth. Um, it's not always complicated. And sometimes it is requiring you to sit on your butt and observe, which yeah. is some of the good ones. Yeah. Um, and getting people out in the community, um, being involved is always important. Some of the cons. Um, people sometimes can be unreliable um, if they say they're going to do something or that's what I like about some of the ones that are just kind of freelance, like iNaturalist and things like that. You add it as you want to, mm-hmm. um, which can be good. Um, and not all the questions can be answered from the 
observer's perspective. So say you're looking for questions or you have a question and you can't get a direct answer from the lead person who's running this project or you come up with a problem or something, your question might not get answered right away or at all, mm -hmm. which can be a little bit frustrating, especially when you talk about the ones that are much, much larger um, than just your community. Um, they do take a little bit more time sometimes um, because it's data that's through the years more than it is, okay, we're doing this for just one week. That's what we need right there. So it's kind of a, it's a long span of data, not just small. Um, and, and this is just my opinion. I could be completely off here. I think that citizen science should be, shouldn't be by itself. And I don't think that regular science should be by itself in terms of research. Um, I think that they should overlap with each other. So mm -hmm. people who are looking for research, it, it, you can't just cut people loose, be like, here, go find frogs. Like, give people a purpose. Okay, this is what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. And like Melissa said, like when Monarch Watch passes her or sends her every year, what's happening, what the population looks like, people want to see that from a, from a gatherer's or a citizen science user's perspective. I, I want to see the results. I don't just want to be, okay, I did this. Right. Now what? Like, like I keep giving you all the data. What, what are you doing with it? Yeah. Show yeah. me what you're doing. Not, and I could be wrong. Not everybody might want to do that, but I want to see exactly what, okay, what did it go for? Like, what is this? Is this helping you? Is this, can I, can I change my perspective? Can I change my practice to help you better? So keeping mm -hmm. the people involved is always good. Um, I kind of, we kind of covered how it kind of helps as we went along monitoring populations, um, population levels, if there, you know, if there's something that could be damaging mm -hmm. a population. So it's, it's all important and it's beneficial for all of us to be involved with it. Obviously here at the park, we do a lot. Oh my goodness. Especially after this year, we do Monarch Watch. What else? Feeder Watch. Feeder Watch. <laughs> we just talked about it. <laughs> we do so many, I can't remember them. <laughs> I did Caterpillar count last year, which mm -hmm. probably won't do that this year, only because they need to work out some kinks on that thing. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, yeah, because like that that app crashed so much on me, and I just got frustrated. Um, mm -hmm. We used to do well. Cheryl's going to be doing butterflies this year. Uh -huh. um, I did some Nest Watch stuff last year. Oh, all the bald eagle stuff. Oh my goodness, complete mm -hmm. blank on that. We report all of our bald eagle stuff to the yeah. state too. Oh my goodness. Womp, 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 womp. <laughs> Which Pretty and all that and all anything that, we do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, well, and now we'll be reporting maple sugaring too. So yeah. we have. A, oh, you are going to do that? Yes. Cool. Um, cool. Well, they only ask if you get over a hundred gallons, and I'm like, well, of sap. So I was like, well, oh, we'll have over we'll that. Oh, we'll do that. So oh, yeah. We might have that in the first run. Yeah. <laughs> so because it's warmer today than it's supposed to be. It's like 43. So anyway, um, but citizen science, if you aren't involved with some type of citizen science, I'm not telling you you have to be, but if there's something, if you don't like birds, hate them, I don't know how, but that's okay. If you like butterflies, there's always something out there. And yeah. if you guys are curious um, about a project or a project that we do that you'd be interested in, feel free to contact us. We're willing to kind of, help you guys all the time figure out something good and easy for you to do and fun that keeps you connected with the land and the community. So 
Now it is time for the news article. This one's a good one. <laughs> Actually, wait, there was an option, but we'll we'll use that one on a different episode. <laughs> All right. Think of a carnivorous plant. The fly trap? Yes. Okay. That's the exact one I was going for. I ah. thought you were going to say the one that we had talked about on the one podcast with Tara, but that's okay. The bladder wort. Oh, but, yeah. I didn't no, forget about that one. The Venus fly trap is your number one, like, this is a carnivorous plant because they sell them in, like, Kroger now. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Venus fly traps. So, they obviously lure insects in with their kind of sweet smelling. You would think of it as like saliva. <laughs> it's not because <laughs> uh, it does look like a little mouth. Um, but they have done some pretty in-depth research to find out that they have a magnetic field that helps to attract these insects as well. No way. Yes. Really? Which I was blown away. Um, it is about a million times weaker than the Earth's like core. So mm-hmm. it, like the magnetic field is extremely weak, but they've been doing um, studies on this um, in Germany. I, I would say the university, but I'll butcher it. Um, oh, it's Gutenberg. Gutenberg University. There we go. Uh, it just took me a minute, but they've been <laughs> kind of like suspicious of that, but they've measured like a m- super small amount of magnetic field that comes from the leaves and like is, wow. a, is partially wow. attracts the insects, which I was blown away. I was like, what? Like, and this will be the first plant that they've discovered that can do something like this. Wow. So now my next You know, humans compared to anything else in the world, we're kind of boring. Oh, we are boring. <laughs> two like, reasons. One, we don't evolve as fast. <laughs> and yeah. two, no. we're just not cool. <laughs> we have thumbs. I mean, we have <laughs> brains, but... <laughs> We, so we have thumbs. That's it. That's all we got going for us. That's it. If you can throw up a double thumbs up, you have reached the pinnacle of human. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, well, we did figure this out. So that's pretty cool. Humans figured this out. But I was just blown away that they they create a magnetic field. It's super, like, just think of the tool required to find such a minute amount of magnitude. Right. Like... It just also lets you know and realize how much more in touch with the rest of the earth, plants, and other organisms truly are. Yeah. Like, we've we've learned over time about how trees are all connected through mycelia under the ground, which is a network of fungus, and that's how they communicate. Like, and now we're, we're figuring out that plants are connected through magnetic fields. My next thought was also that they're probably going to start testing other carnivorous plants mm-hmm, cool. in my opinion that's probably where they'll go next to see if they can do a similar thing so yay for the venus fly traps yes. neat so anyway so that's all we have for you guys today and hopefully you guys enjoyed our little chat and hopefully you guys can get involved in citizen science and maybe at some point you guys will help us out with something in the future all right bye everybody bye, bye.